0: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with never-before-seen video to come out of the Jonathan Bacon murder trial in Kelowna.
2: The surveillance video shows the terrifying moments the gangster was gunned down and how close a family came to getting caught in the crossfire. And a warning, some viewers may find the images disturbing. It happened back in 2011 outside the Kelowna Grand Hotel. It was broad daylight at the time, the area busy with tourists. Keep an eye on that brown Ford Explorer as it pulls up beside Bacon's white Porsche Cayenne. Immediately, men jump out and start firing.
1: The Cayenne takes off, the gunman close behind, and right in the middle of it, an innocent family cowering as it all goes down. At least 45 shots fired, 34 bullets piercing the Cayenne. Today, in a plea bargain deal, Jason McBride, one of the gunmen, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and four counts of attempted murder.
2: Michael Jones and Jujar Kun, Kun pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. McBride will get an automatic life sentence. The recommendation for Jones and Kun, Kun is 18 years in prison. All three will get enhanced credit for the five years they've already served.
3: These sentences, uh, the joint submissions that were arrived at, appropriately reflect the uh, criminal conduct of the accused. they specific uh, moral culpability or blameworthiness, uh, and uh, their own personal circumstances.
2: The trial has been adjourned to tomorrow morning when the judge is expected to endorse the recommended prison sentences. Now to fears about security and safety, prompting David Eby to cancel a town hall meeting in Vancouver tonight.
1: The Vancouver Point Grey MLA was set to discuss the contentious school tax. Nadia Stewart is live with more on this, and Nadia Eby was concerned it was about to get out of control, and he's blaming the liberals.
4: Yeah, that's right. He's blaming the leader of the Liberal Party for circulating a letter that prompted him to raise some concerns about security. Now, that planned protest was moved here to Trimble Park. You can see behind me, it is just wrapping up and it was far from, I guess, aggressive. You know, nothing got out of control here tonight. But this conversation surrounding this hotly contested tax is far from over. It was supposed to be a town hall meeting at St. James Square. Instead, it became a security risk. The event is now cancelled, and MLA David Eby says outside forces are to blame. We
5: had uh, real estate agencies that were advertising for people to show up without tickets. Uh, The leader of the opposition, BC Liberals, Mr. Wilkinson, was advertising for people to show up without tickets, set up a website for people to attend the event.
4: He's talking about this letter from Wilkinson, and this ad paid for by Sutton Group West Coast Realty, encouraging people to, quote, demonstrate their opposition. Realtor Phil Gustin says the ad was necessary because residents' voices are not being heard.
6: There's a lot of people that are really upset about the impact that this tax and taxes like this will have on their families, their ability to save for retirement, and their communities.
4: Ever since the so-called school tax was proposed, it's been the subject of much debate, with arguments on both sides.
7: I know it upsets a lot of people, but I'm all about making sure that kids and teachers have what they need to make the best place possible for kids to learn in.
8: I I think the NDP have lost their way. They've lost their way. They're just, it's just, uh, they're trying to punish everyone who they think is uh, better off than them.
4: But the West Point Great Residents Association says they were looking forward to this event. Now it's over before it even began.
7: Mr. Eby and the NDP and the people from the community can come up with a much, much, much better solution.
5: The irony of uh, the people who managed to get this meeting uh, shut down is that the meeting was set up for critics of the text, to hold me accountable, to provide feedback to me about the government policy. That's why the meeting was called in the first place. So they successfully prevented uh, constituents from showing up and engaging with their MLA about this. I don't think that's particularly helpful.
4: So up next, the West Point Gray Residents Association, they are planning a community meeting for Sunday, May the 27th. You can bet that will be well attended. And David Eby also says that they are planning to reschedule this town hall. Details on that to come in the days and weeks ahead, Chris.
1: All right. Thanks very much,
6: Nadia.
2: Well, if this sounds a bit familiar, Keith Baldry joins us now to tell us why it's a bit like deja vu here. Keith?
6: Yeah, guys, I've seen this movie before. In fact, it was a long time ago, 1993, the last time there was an NDP government in this province, when Finance Minister Glenn Clark brought in a similar tax on high-end homes, defined back then as $500,000 and more. It prompted a huge rally at Oak Ridge Shopping Centre, 4,000 people coming out to protest the tax, a lot bigger than the rally we saw tonight. And the rally organized by a fellow you're going to hear from here, then the mayor of Vancouver, later the premier of B.C. Here's Gordon Campbell, 1993.
3: the minister in his budget did something
8: that has never happened before in Canada. He decided he was going to attack your future. He decided he was going to attack your right to own a
3: home in this country.
6: So, ironically, that's the same messaging we're hearing from the tax opponents uh, today. Uh, the political ramifications were significant. Uh, Glenn Clark had to withdraw that tax. He was replaced as cabinet minister a short time later. The NDP won the ninety-six election, but it lost 12 seats and two seats on the west side of Vancouver. Uh, at a time when all seats are precious to who forms government in this province, it's going to be interesting to see whether the NDP can hang on to those seats in Vancouver, given the what appears to be rising protests against this tax. Back to you. All right, Keith. Thank you. Protesters shutting
1: down Vancouver City Hall for a time today, blocking the entrances and forcing the cancellation of a council meeting. Our
3: home can't wait. Our not
1: not Activists are frustrated about a development proposed for 58 West Hastings. At one point, occupying the city's permit and licensing center, activists say while the entire development on West Hastings will be classified as social housing. Only 33 percent will rent at income assistance rates, and they feel that number should be 100 percent. They say the mayor is reneging on a promise to help after a tent city on Hastings was shut down two years ago.
5: Mayor Gregor Robertson promised us 58 at 58 West Hastings 100 percent welfare and pension rate housing. Right now, the last document that we got from that's two years ago. Yeah, he signed yeah. the document Second. at the Carnegie yeah, Center. Yeah. We have the poster right here. He signed it. You know what it's out right now? They're promising us at least one, one third. third. One third. That's all they can promise us. They say they don't know what the rest of it's gonna be rented at. That's it. the city has the money. The province has the money. We need one hundred percent welfare and pension rate housing at fifty-eight West Hastings right now.
1: The demonstrators were eventually cleared out and City Hall reopened to the public. The council meeting was rescheduled for tomorrow. Now, we asked the mayor's office for comment about that broken promise, but they did not get back to us by deadline.
2: A judge in Abbotsford must decide if a drug trafficking trial involving thousands of dollars in drugs, weapons and cash should be thrown out. At issue, video footage of a police officer allegedly stealing money during a drug raid. It's a move he claims was a joke, but as Grace Key reports, the defendant's lawyer is not amused.
7: Well, Crown argued the charges should not be thrown out, arguing that any prejudice could be addressed through other remedies. Now, Brian McDonald is facing eight counts of possession with the purpose of trafficking. This is the video at the center of the case, a hidden camera belonging to the accused. It was taken during a police raid in his home in November. An Abbotsford officer admits to stashing money in a sock on an ill-advised joke, but then returning it. Defense calls it an egregious breach of trust. Crown referred to the Surrey Six murder case where RCMP officers were accused of having sexual relations with witnesses, but the case proceeded. The officers did face criminal charges and disciplinary action.
0: Uh, that case is so easily distinguished. I mean, the Surrey Six, there were six first-degree murders. Here we're talking about a small, a relatively small amount of drugs. It's very, very different. It's not surprising that the court wouldn't enter a state of proceedings where there are six people dead. Um, but that's a completely different situation.
7: Now, there's also a challenge to a search warrant that the judge will also have to make a decision on. As for the officer at the center of this case, he is now on administrative duty while an investigation unfolds. Back to you. Grace Keen, Abbott's Ford.
1: The integrated homicide investigation team identifying the victims of a double murder in Richmond. I hit confirming 36-year-old Kerry Smith and 37-year-old Terrence Peter Smith were found dead in their home in the 6600 block of Eckersley Road Monday morning. Police say they are known to them and investigators believe this was a targeted hit.
8: Both Kerry and Terrence Smith just recently moved to the Richmond area from Surrey. They also have ties to the Vernon area of B.C. I'm asking anyone that knew Carrie and Terrence Smith, if you have information about what, what they were doing or who they were meeting with just prior to their, to, just prior to their deaths, um, I'm asking you to please come
1: forward and speak with IHIT. Investigators say it's early in the investigation and they are still trying to determine a motive.
2: Another community, another fight against modular housing. This time, it's a development pegged for women at risk. It's planned for a neighborhood in New Westminster, and it's generating controversy. Our Sonia Diol is live outside a Queensborough Rec Center, where a meeting on a proposal about this is about to get underway. Sonia.
9: Absolutely. Yeah, that meeting is going to start shortly because residents are piling in. It's their real first chance to have their say on this modular housing. And I have to say that feeling of not in my backyard definitely surfacing here in Queensborough. What kids from two local schools are using as part of their playground, now the proposed site for around 40 units of modular housing for women dealing with homelessness. About
10: uh, 30% of our homeless population in New Westminster are, are, are women, so uh, that definitely is the the target population.
9: The land for this project provided by the city of New Westminster. The
10: full cost for building the project and operating the, co- uh, the project uh, is going to be fully borne by the provincial government.
9: But despite assurances that the women housed here will have around the clock support reaction on a local facebook group has been strong this is where our children play and go to school we don't have the resources to support people with drug addiction and mental illness and this one our property prices will plummet
8: my wife belongs to that group and for her to be encompassed in the fear-mongering that goes on with that i find that disgraceful and disgusting
9: no one we approached from the group wanted to go on camera but it's not hard to find residents here who are worried
7: i hope they will have enough resources available for them it's a good thing to have uh, homes available for homeless people, but it's also very
0: important to take care of the community. Tom, I do believe you do need to listen to local residents
8: because they do have legitimate concerns. So I hope tonight's uh, uh, get-together with the community is really fruitful and we're allowed, we can find some solutions along the way.
9: The debate about where to house the homeless and how much people trust the government to get it right now really challenging the community of Queensborough. It's far preferable if people are homeless uh, to have roofs over their heads and it is far preferable if people are living with mental illness and addiction for them to be
2: receiving supports rather than have them living on the street which is far more disruptive both to their lives and to the community's life.
9: And I have to say, even though this is the first of what will be several meetings before this even uh, goes ahead, I did put that, city, uh, that question to the city and asked them, you know, if residents do feel strongly enough about this, will they scrap this altogether? Um, they didn't give me a flat out no on that. This seems to be getting feedback, but I think they're pretty uh, stuck on this location. And it looks like it will go ahead if they have their way back to mm-hmm. you.
2: I'm sure they'll, he- they'll hear plenty about it tonight. Sonia, thank you
1: new allegations tonight involving alleged renovictions, and the landlord accused is the same one we told you about last week. As Paul Johnson reports, it turns out she owns more than one building in Kitsilano and the stories being told by tenants are familiar.
11: It is her the property, right? Not yours. Yeah, you have, have the renter.
10: you have to respect the law.
8: I respect the law.
3: A heated exchange last week over an alleged rent eviction in Vancouver's West Side.
10: Sure, it was not wet.
3: Last week, we told you the story of Stephen LePage, who says his landlord has been trying to use the excuse of a routine repair to evict him and then rent the apartment for more money.
12: It started when I pointed out uh, a leak. Now meet Elisa
3: Valentine. Different building, but same landlord and same story.
12: It just seemed that it went from what would be a straightforward repair, in my opinion, to an eviction notice.
3: Records show the landlord's name is Hong Lee Yu, and that she owns a number of rentals in Vancouver's Kitsilano area. We haven't been able to reach her, but we did bump into her manager last week. Hi, Paul Johnson from Global News. Amy told us all of the evictions are legit. But tenants have complained. The landlord has asked to call their bosses at work, that they've gone into apartments without permission and were photographing tenants as they were giving them eviction notices.
12: And I felt very intimidated.
3: Ashley Sire is Valentine's lawyer.
12: It really does seem
2: to be a situation where this is a rent eviction.
3: Valentine challenged her eviction and won, but says they're still pushing to move around. No response today from the landlord. But here's a look at the damage Valentine says is being used to try and evict her. The moment
2: the, the arbitration was over, the landlord was already trying to get her out again. And that's not in compliance with the order. It's not in compliance with the act. And it's
12: not in compliance with the law in B.C.
1: Paul Johnson, Global News. Right now, though, a BC Animal Advocacy Group is offering a reward in the disturbing case of a beaver shot with a number of arrows.
2: The fur bearers want justice after the beaver was struck with several arrows in the Okanagan last week. This photo taken as the wounded rodent swam to shore near the West Kelowna Yacht Club Friday with four arrows sticking out of its body. The nonprofit willing to hand over $1,200 for any information to identify the suspect and lead to a conviction.
13: It was tumbling down the river very awkwardly, and we were like, was that a beaver?
3: To shoot this animal four times with an arrow um, is is absolutely ludicrous. There's absolutely no way to, to treat any animal, uh, let, let alone Canada's iconic symbol.
2: Anyone who might know what happened is asked to contact the Report All Poachers and Polluters program. The number is on your screen.
1: The Battle of the Birds is heating up in Surrey. Feral peacocks have been a fixture in the Sullivan area neighborhood for more than a decade, recently nesting on a homeowner's doorstep.
2: But not everyone loves the exotic intrusion. And now, as Aaron MacArthur reports, one man's solution has ripped the community in half.
14: Not your typical Monday night in Surrey. A muster of peafowl somewhat baffled at the sudden disappearance of one of their favorite trees the people who share this neighborhood with the birds stunned to see this massive fir tree down
4: Unreal, unbelievable. unbelievable this is their home
14: the peafowl have called this surrey neighborhood home since it was farmland they're so common no one really notices them but the birds come with a host of problems they roost in trees or on roofs they're loud and while maybe there were a handful of birds in years past, there are dozens now. The homeowner here had had enough. He had the tree
8: cut down without a permit. And I've been begging the city for the last three years, please, you know, uh, do something about the birds. Uh, there never came into any solutions.
14: This is an issue that split the neighborhood. It's gotten so heated, the homeowner wanted us to conceal his identity. People are outraged at the tree carnage and the displacement of the birds. Others are sympathetic.
3: So you can see all this. So
8: this is where they're going to do barbecue tomorrow.
5: A peacock feces all over the, the backyard. Couldn't use it. His kids couldn't play out there. You know, all that poop back there is a is a health hazard.
14: The real issue now for the homeowner, city hall, bylaw slapped him with a thousand dollar fine for not having a permit. And now Surrey's looking at what else it can do. The maximum penalty, ten grand, for both the homeowner and the people who cut the tree.
3: Bunch of neighbors, they talk talking, oh yeah, it's bad. Bunch of things, it's sad. So, you know, we're not getting anywhere. Like, we need a solution from the city. The tree
14: is gone, but the peafowl are still here. And the neighborhood left wondering what to do next. Aaron McArthur, Global News.
2: As Vancouver continues to fuel the highest gas prices in North America, the B.C. premier has suggested investing in refining capacity.
1: But as Ted Chernecki reports, some experts say building more refineries could actually make our pain at the pumps even worse.
0: Thirty years ago, talk of building more refineries in B.C. would have made a lot more sense than it does today. Yet that's exactly what B.C.'s premier is preaching.
6: I've been advocating that we take those natural resources that are the property of British, Canadians, Albertans and Canadians, refine that product so we can bring prices down in British Columbia.
0: But analysts we spoke to today say it's abundantly clear that the fossil fuel industry is in its twilight years and there simply isn't enough time for an investor to recover the huge cost of building a refinery that could handle today's environmental and technical challenges of heavy bitumen oil. Another refinery could actually increase the price of gas
6: sooner or later we are going to be using a lot less uh, oil. So if they have to be paid for uh, big bucks in a short period of time, that's going to be reflected in the price. Metro Vancouver already
0: has the most expensive real estate in Canada and now the most expensive gasoline in North America. It could soon have some of the most expensive groceries in the country.
6: We're dependent on uh, motor fuels for our uh, logistics and freight sector too, so uh, those uh, bananas and milk uh, that show up uh, will have a higher price tag as these prices go up as
0: well. The Parkland Fuel Corporation, owner of the only refinery in Metro Vancouver, is reporting record profits, double from a year ago finding profits have increased significantly in the last little while and are the highest in british columbia of any jurisdiction in canada so about eight to nine cents higher per liter they're charging the refineries are making per liter uh, profit than they are in other jurisdictions he too does not believe another refinery is the way to go the answer increase bc's access to existing refineries just south in washington state to try and create competition Ted Global News.
1: Two central Okanagan properties are under evacuation alert tonight after a landslide washed out part of a road north of Kelowna. This morning's washout is the second on West Side Road since Saturday. It happened at Ewing Landing, which is on Okanagan Lake, about 40 kilometers north of Kelowna. Emergency officials issuing an evacuation order for two properties below the slide. The province ordered a geotechnical assessment of the area yesterday, but before that could happen, the road failed. Delays are expected as crews work to rebuild the road.
2: Dramatic pictures out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. An abandoned tower catches fire overnight. The building eventually collapsing in the inferno. Is thought to have been caused by a gas explosion.
1: The 22-story former office building, occupied by hundreds of squatters, and officials say it could be a while before they know how many may have died.
15: The horrifying moment caught on cell phone video. Neighbors watched helplessly. Witnesses saying they could hear people trapped and screaming for help when suddenly the entire building collapsed in flames. <laughs> burning debris crashing down on the streets. Victims feared buried in the smoldering rubble. The fire started at 1.30 in the morning local time in downtown Sao Paulo, on the second or third floor of the high rise, quickly spreading. The tower, more than 20 stories high, was reportedly an old federal police headquarters turned makeshift shelter for homeless people. One witness said he'd warned police for months that it was a danger to the public. This morning, firefighters are frantically searching for victims, but they're not sure how many are missing or who was in this towering fireball when it came crashing down. There are unconfirmed reports this morning that 50 families were registered as living in that building. One witness said he saw most of them evacuate before the collapse, but firefighters warned it could take days to account for everyone who is still missing. Kelly Cobiella, NBC News, London.
2: Members of a northern Manitoba First Nation are finding solace in each other after losing three boys to a suspected impaired driver. Hundreds of people coming together for a vigil in the community of Nelson House last night. Mourners lighting candles and releasing lanterns to remember the two 11-year-old boys and one 13-year-old. The trio were struck Saturday night while walking and cycling on a local road. The suspect driver took off but later turned himself in. 27 year old Todd Norman Linkletter is charged with impaired driving causing death.
1: Police in Calgary are hoping an autopsy will help solve the mystery of how and when a man ended up in the wall of a local shopping center before his body was discovered there. Nancy Hicks has the latest.
13: The Core Shopping Center food court is always a busy place, and at first glance, shoppers here Monday likely thought everything was business as usual. But just a few feet away, a body was found inside of a wall in the fourth floor women's washroom.
6: It's kind of like, how long has it been there for? That's pretty terrifying.
13: James Ladd was doing his daily crossword puzzle at a nearby table wondering, like everyone else, how a body ended up inside a wall.
8: I think it's probably
3: really profound. How could you get in the wall? I mean, this is a pretty solid structure. It's not like a house where, you know, there's crawl spaces and
13: things. Police are still trying to solve the mystery. The body was found at about 9:30 Monday morning when maintenance workers removed a panel in the washroom that allowed access into the wall. While the circumstances might sound unbelievable, police say they don't suspect foul play. There is some speculation someone dropped or fell from the ventilation above. It's very
3: crazy. It's like something you might hear in a, or read in a horror magazine or a book.
13: Police are hoping an autopsy scheduled for later this week will provide some answers. Nancy Hickst, Global News.
2: An unexpected terror for passengers on a roller coaster at Japan's Universal Studios today. An emergency stop left these flying dinosaur riders stuck upside down for hours, 30 meters above the ground. More than 60 roller coaster passengers left hanging before workers could free them all. Park officials have apologized, blaming a technical glitch for the problem. No one was hurt.
1: In Health Matters tonight, there are calls to expand a new Canada-wide emergency alert system to include missing people with dementia. As Linda Aylesworth reports, a B.C. search and rescue volunteer is teaming up with the son of a pastor who disappeared to push for what he calls a national silver alert.
5: So many of the cases that I, res- I end up responding to, we don't even know what direction they walked. Mm-hmm. Much like my dad's case, too. Thank you so much.
11: His dad, Shin No, who at the age of 64 was physically fit, but had dementia. In September 2013, he went for a walk in his Coquitlam neighborhood and never came home.
5: There were confirmed sightings, but the devastation was there two to three days old, and so that he had moved on from that site.
11: Michael Coyle, a Coquitlam search and rescue volunteer, headed up the search.
5: I was tired of seeing this kind of situation happening and a year after I said to Sam maybe we should do something about this.
11: Something to improve the way information about missing cognitively impaired people gets out to the public and reduce delay. Together they created BC Silver Alert, a website people can subscribe to and receive alerts on their smartphones when a person with dementia is missing.
5: We're like a guerrilla citizen's silver alert. We'd like a Proper, you know, government response to this issue, how how the Amber Alert is is handled and how tsunami alerts are handled.
11: They want Silver Alert to be included in the new federal alert-ready system, which warns people based on how close they are to any emergency situation on their wireless devices. The Alzheimer's Society is in favor of the idea. Silver Alert
15: through Alert Ready is an important strategy because it's going to make sure that people get
11: home safely. Teaming up with Alert Ready would allow them to focus their Silver Alerts on people in the communities where a missing person has strayed, and do it faster.
5: Moving forward, what my goal is is to save future families the anguish and the devastation of what we went through.
11: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
5: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
1: A surprise feeding frenzy in the waters off Horseshoe Bay this past weekend. What was behind it after the forecast? They're just looking for some fish and chips. That's a good place to do it.
2: (laughs) First, though, from Pride to Vaisakhi, Global BC has been a long and proud supporter of community events in our province, and we are set to expand our coverage of all of them.
1: That's right. We're launching a new community reporter role. Our own Michael Newman will showcase community events that matter to you, and he's making his debut at McHappy Day tomorrow.
5: Have you been to the Vancouver Art Gallery inside? Yes, I have. Looked at the gallery? Oh, yes.
16: Meet Michael, Global BC's new connection to the community we serve. He's new here,
5: and he loves it. Anytime I would come and visit, I, I would just fall in love with the things that were happening here and the how multicultural it is. Yeah, that's something I didn't really see a lot of when I was living in the States. I'm so excited to go check it out. Let's go.
16: He's been there, done that, and then some in New Mexico.
5: Let me tighten my belt
16: and Florida. What's up
5: Orlando? It's Michael Newman with Orlando Live.
16: Vancouver is a city of events, so is Surrey. And every other place that adds up to make the Lower Mainland special. Michael is going to be out there all the
5: time. It's my job to go to those events and say, come with me, this is what's going on.
0: This new position is really about cementing a relationship with our viewers, our listeners, and our readers. It's making sure we're telling the news of the day, but also the stories affecting their lives. Global News
16: is out there every day, gathering stories important to British Columbians. The Community Reporter is an extension of what we've done for decades.
0: We're all journalists, and this is another part of the story that we want to offer to our viewers, listeners, and readers. And Michael is very well suited based on who he is
5: as an individual and who he is as a journalist. People trust Global, and I think I, I want to represent that brand and, and bring my experience to people's houses. And if you can't be at some of these events, but say, you know, Global has a person there that's dedicated to showing off the things that are happening in our community.
16: Michael will hit the ground running, ready for what will be a busy summer season, but he needs your ideas. You can share them by emailing bccommunity at
1: and you know what? He's just a really, really good dude. He is. He's just a nice guy.
2: And you can come by uh, the McDonald's um, in Burnaby mm-hmm. at the headquarters. It's called Still, Still, Creek, Still Creek Road. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow around lunchtime, and he will be there. So will I. So will Jay Durant, because it's McAfee Day.
1: That's right. And if you do have an idea or a community event you'd like uh, us to provide some coverage for, get in touch with Michael at that email you saw there. All right, let's talk weather now. And it Wow, it just seemed to break and be beautiful out there it is absolutely
12: i know it's stunning out there thank you chris thanks guys good evening to you we've got temperatures still sitting at a beautiful 13 degrees very close to that daytime high of 14 that we reached more sun than clouds and if you like today then you're gonna love tomorrow and the next day wednesday thursday plenty of sunshine in the mix we're expecting a high of 16 closer to the water a little further inland about 20 degrees meanwhile if you think it's been a wet one it certainly has in fact it's been the fifth most wet April on record since we've been taking records in 1931. So typically we pick up 88 millimeters of rain, we picked 135 millimeters of rain, 19 days of 19 days of rain, but the 11 were glorious, and we have more days like that on tap as a result of this high pressure that is building. A slight blip in, the, blip in the forecast is going to be on our Friday, where we do have a trough moving in, so we will have some cloudy skies on our Friday, but then we're rebounding, and then pretty much the entire province is under sunny skies and dry conditions. Temperatures also on the rise. The overall trend... We did down a little bit on your Friday, but we continue to go up further inland. It's going to be even warmer. Now, as a result, of course, our snowpack, uh, the melt, rather, is going to be exacerbated by all this heat and all this sunshine. Snow levels are going to be at 3,500 meters for tomorrow. So we'll continue to be on Flood Watch, of course, and keep you posted on that. Meanwhile, we've been seeing some lightning strikes in the southeast of the province. It should be easing later into the afternoon. We do have some cloud cover also to the northwest where we do have the showers already moving in. As we zoom out, we continue to have high-pressure buildings, so all this space here in the Pacific. These are our sunny days that we do have on tap and some cloud cover set for your Friday, and this is what we're showing you overall. However, to the north, this is where we do have those showers over the next few days quick peek at what to expect for your wednesday wednesday afternoon so the morning hours we do have a chance of showers for a lot of you temperatures above seasonal for most of us by a few degrees sun and clouds right across the board as is the case for us in the south 16 to 20 degrees for us closer to the coast with your five-day outlook looks pretty good if you ask me there you have it your weather window is brought to us by Raymond Thompson of Okanagan Lake. Look at this. Just gorgeous, guys. It's like a mirror. So pretty.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Kasia.
12: An incredible surprise for beachgoers on
1: Bowen Island over the weekend.
2: Whoa! There's
11: two! Oh, oh, man!
1: (laughs) Always exciting to see the humpbacks. Spotted just offshore in Smuggler's Cove, the whale believed to be snacking on a school of herring. The close humpback humpback encounter causing, obviously, a lot of excitement for those who were able to catch those moments from the beach. (laughs) Really neat. (laughs) Putting
2: on a show. All right, we have some breaking details for you now about an unusual sight on the top of the Wall Center Hotel in downtown Vancouver.
1: That just happens to be where our tower cam is, and it caught this guy up on the roof taking pictures. No shoes. Shots of his socking feet And his friend he was up there with uh, was there as well. It appears they climbed the pole the tower cam is attached to to get a better shot. Now, we contacted the hotel. They were not aware of the two men, and they have sent security up there to check it out.
2: This makes me very uncomfortable.
12: Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Daring, but this is not the first time we've seen guys climb. Tall buildings in Vancouver. Yeah. Get a rope on your... Se- can,
12: We've been watching yeah. this for some time, watching him trying to take selfies. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Just don't do not do that. Don't.
1: Very
8: dangerous. Okay. Here's Squire. Someone who's afraid of heights hates that... Vi- oh, I wore the wrong jacket. Why? What's wrong with it? Well, it should be a black jacket, but it's a blue jacket. I really got to turn the light on in my closet when I go get my jacket to come down here. It looks black. Good to me. No, okay. it really is I'll change it. Don't worry.
1: We've been watching some pretty exciting hockey
8: lately. We
2: have, yeah. Mm.
8: Yes, yes, it's all good. Your jacket is better. It is. See? Black. feel better about it. Yes, black and purple. I know some people go with blue and purple. I'm uh, totally against the blue and purple thing. Uh, okay, so Winnipeg got out of Nashville with uh, the series tied 1-1. They lost game two in overtime, but really, to be honest, they were lucky to win game one. They were badly outplayed and got away with it. So they're going to have to be better at home to beat the Predators. Uh, more Patrick Laine would help. He hasn't scored in five straight games. Let's go to the Winnipeg City where the whiteout backs Connor Hellebuck. But Hellebuck had a bad first period. First goal, Mike Fisher. He came out of retirement to get back with the Predators. This one goes through Hellebuck's legs, and Fisher knocks in. It's one nothing. It's 2 nothing, and then again, Hellebuck doesn't look too good here. Austin
3: Watson,
8: 3-0 after one period for Nashville. Second period, different game. Winnipeg's made it 3-1. Here's Dustin Bufflin. Now it's 3-2. Then the Jets start throwing the puck around as they can and Jacob Truba's open there's two defensemen scoring there 3-3 late in the second period.
10: To punish the Cleveland Cavaliers
8: North over everything. Game 1 Raptors Cavaliers LeBron cannot hold off Kyle Lowry here. Good first quarter for Toronto. But a great first second quarter for the Cavs. They had 38 points in the second quarter. They were down by three at the half. It's J.R. Smith.
14: Three pointer is good.
8: But third quarter, Raptors starting to get their act together again. Give it to Lowry. He's got the hot hand for three. Count it. Last check 81 74 in the third for the Raptors game one. When Saskatchewan's Brett Levi started last Friday's Whitecaps game against Salt Lake, it was the end of a long journey back to major league soccer which was a journey that was caused by a serious knee injury but the injury was not serious enough to keep him from playing on the big team again.
5: Brett Levi's return to the pitch has been a long time coming. 551 days to be exact. Levi's blew out his ACL during the Caps' final game of the 2016 season which also happened to be his first ever MLS match and some feared might have been his last.
3: Brett Levi's probably been to hell and back. Um, he's seen his career nearly end, um, but he's managed to bring himself back. And when you get a little bit of adversity, disappointment, or you know you think it's coming to the end, you try that little bit harder and you don't want to be in that situation again.
5: It's taken 14 months of rehab, hard work, and flat out busting his tail for Levi's to get himself in position to be considered for the cap starting 11. It's the kind of work ethic you expect out of a prairie boy, And that's where Brett's story gets even better. The 25-year-old was born and raised in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, a province known to churn out NHLers, but not MLS starters. Obviously, Saskatchewan's
8: known for hockey players, for football players, but soccer is something that I grew up playing. It's something that stuck. It's something that I loved. and It's something that I I, I set a goal in my mind, and and that goal is to kind of break the... Sort of stigma that it wasn't possible that when you're from Saskatchewan. I take great, great pride being from Saskatchewan when everybody asks me, you know, how, most of the guys on the team don't even know where Saskatoon is, where Saskatchewan is.
5: Brett's never forgotten his roots or those who've helped him along this incredible journey, be it former teammates or coaches. But there's one person who deserves the most credit. His late mom, Leanne, who lost a valiant battle against cancer. She was his first coach. A decade after Leanne's passing, she continues to be a guiding influence on her son's promising career you know whenever i whenever i hear the anthem and we're standing in that line um i pray i, I talk to her and it's just i i just thank because i'm
8: just so grateful that i'm allowed to do what i what i do and that i'm i'm able to do that even though i've you know came from a place where it's not really known.
3: I said to him before the game, she'll be down watching, very proud watching down on him and everything he does is for him, but it's also for her as well, so really proud moment for him. Uh, he done himself the world the good by his performance. I think everyone in the stadium appreciated his performance and you know I'm going to demand more to come now. From-
8: and Real Madrid moved on to the Champions League final. They beat uh, Bayern Munich 4-3 on aggregate.
1: There you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. If you build it, they will come. Maybe the lines He will come will check the tape. But Iowa's Field of Dreams was immortalized in the 1989 film with Kevin Costner about a farmer's encounter with a former baseball great.
2: Nearly 30 years later, that mantra, now, if you donate, they will repair. After vandalism to the iconic diamond sparked a minor league rebuild. <laughs>
10: On a chilly spring morning in a fabled Iowa cornfield, it's a beehive of volunteers for the boys and girls of summer. Does it give you a bit of a warm feeling on this day?
12: (laughs) It's a lot warmer in my heart than it is outside today. For
10: this diamond in the rough is the field of dreams. (laughs) Immortalized in the 1989 film with Kevin Costner about a farmer's encounter with former baseball great Shoeless Joe Jackson.
15: If you build
10: it, he will come. This year, they are rebuilding. After a teenage vandal in a car wrecked the field. $15,000 in damage. To
11: have one person tear it up in a matter of minutes, it is disheartening. But the, the good thing is, is, is like in the movie, there's second chances.
10: On this day, they put their anger aside for the sake of the national pastime. This is a sacred national landmark, just like
16: baseball is
14: a sacred game for us.
10: Kids and local businesses pitching in for a new pitcher's mound and green grass by summer. What are you doing out here?
5: Uh, we're helping. We're, it's, uh, we're in Iowa, and when you're in Iowa, you come together as a community, and... This is what we do.
10: The turf may have been torn, but not the fabric of this place, where they will come again to play ball. Kevin Tibble's NBC News, Dyersville,
8: Iowa.
2: I have not seen that movie. What? Mm. I
8: know. That's like when Madriga said he hadn't seen Star Wars. I know. That's even I haven't seen either. Maybe it's a weather thing. Oh, my goodness.